It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Josh. And just really quick before we jump into this week's episode with Charlie Band, uh, Stick around after the episode for, um, I'd love to say for a very important announcement, but uh, for, let's say, stick around for a very ridiculous announcement after the show. Now, here it is, Charlie Band on the movies that made me. This is the movies that made me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. recite them alphabetically. We can list every movie and that's 354. So we could start that way. Dear God. Um, That'll take up a chunk of time. It would. It would. Uh, well, cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming. We are um, very excited to be joined by the legendary uh, producer, uh, Charlie Band, who, um, God, where do you, I mean, obviously uh, Reanimator is I mean, the Citizen Kane of a certain type of genre and uh, whatever that may be. And um, uh, your, your company brought us that. Uh, Puppet Master, Doll Man, the, um, uh, the Trancer series. I mean, it did on and on and on. I said, if you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this and going, who is this guy? You're probably not listening to this. So, um, <laughs> Well, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, I feel like I can't remember when back back in my crew days in the eighties and nineties. I'm I'm sure I uh, uh, um, spilled some blood and sweat on at least one of your sets. But <laughs> I'm sure you know I've been making these movies since the early seventies, which was hard to believe. Dear God, and um, yeah, so <laughs> and oh by the way, and 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 I just asked and and of course uh, uh, author of a book that is out now. Um, these are your memoirs, confessions of a puppet master. Um, yeah, the me- the memoir thing is weird because we've never been busier. Um, next year we have eighteen features planned. You know, we had to sort of cut it off at the end of last year, and the reason why this book happened more than any other reason is there was a little downtime even though we kept making movies like Corona zombies. I mean, we did, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, there was interest from Harper Collins. I wasn't even thinking about writing a book and uh, they recommended, they recommended a literary agent. That was awesome. And then, you know, he gave me some people he thought would be good as a biographer. Cause I'm, I can tell my stories, but I'm not a writer. And he put me together with a fellow named Adam Felber, who's fantastic. And, just funny and um, wise and was one of the head writers of the Bill Maher show for 11 years, which is, of course, not only cool, but I gave Bill Maher his first uh, acting role. So, you know, it all oh, ties wait, is that, uh, in the avocado jungle of death. Let me say the whole title, <laughs> cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. And we needed a kind of a fun Harrison Ford type fellow. And I was always a <laughs> you thought Bill I, Maher. Well, you know, he was doing stand up. He was great. I mean, the stars of the movie were, you know, Adrian Barbeau and Shannon Tweed, 
and he was unknown, but uh, there you go. And, and you took one look at him and you went, this is the next Harrison Ford. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and yet here you are nonetheless. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> all true. All true. Uh, well, cool. Well, I, I, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I have to imagine, uh, uh, and, and, and if we're wrong, I'm not sure what we're going to do for the next hour or so, but that, uh, you, you probably grew up on movies and were inspired by movies to get into movies and what, uh, what kind of stuff, uh, turned you into, um, Charlie band, I guess is the well. question. <laughs> First, I don't know, I had this innate like entrepreneur thing going on. So even as a little young kid, I did all sorts of bizarre things and actually was successful in making money and really successful in blowing it as well. But, um, you know, I grew up on a movie set. My dad made films. We grew up in Europe uh, I, at a super young age. He took us to Paris for a year. Then he promised we'd go home. And then he said, just let's give Italy a shot. And we went to Rome for 14 years and came back when I was 20. But, you know, I grew up with a diet of, bizarro Italian movies and the occasional, you know, import, Marvel comics, fantastic music of the 60s. Some people thought I was, you know, culturally deprived, but not really. And um, yeah, so it was a combination of growing up on those sets and falling in love with the genre and especially some of the early, early films that are some uh, amongst my favorites. And I got back at age 20 and luckily again invented yet another kind of unique business, which had nothing to do with movies, made a bunch of money, and then decided the best investment of all can be a horror movie. That's how I got it. <laughs> and that's kind of what started the whole shebang. So what what was like uh, when you were a kid, like what was what was the first horror film you were seeing and really just being inspired by or so moved was, by? Or... You know, I don't remember if it was when I was living here as a little, little kid, four or five, that seems kind of young, but we would come back as a family. My dad would visit his parents and Maybe I was six or seven, but my my dad, um, you know, talked about a movie that he thought I would love. He was a little worried to be too scary, but it was Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein. And we had to stay up until one in the morning, which for a little five year old, let's say, or six year old was super late because it was on, I think, KTLA, some local channel. Of course, cut to shreds. There were things that no human could look at on television, like him throwing the girl in the in the in the lake but right, yeah, i stayed they, up with my dad you know which already was such a great experience and then i watched this movie and it just kind of blew my little mind and i thought oh my god and then little by little i found and discovered more of the old universal horror movies and then as i got older anything that would come to italy i usually saw all the great movies for the first time in italian which was also weird to eventually come back and see their, their original language it was just strange yeah but anyway so um yeah it was a combination of Growing up on a movie set, loving this, the whole that that whole part of it, and then you know just being exposed in a really limited way. There's no television, like zero. Obviously, for those of you who are too young, no internet, no instant access to movies, none of that existed. So the occasional movie came on the Revival House. That was a horror movie, a 40s or 50s film in Italian, and then the early early Marvel comics, which I loved even before the superhero stuff. The the early monster comics, you know, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, right. you know, early, you know, short stories. Fin, fin Fang Foom, I think. Oh, yes. The, uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. You are in it and on it. I didn't, we haven't really had this guy. Joe, were you, were you, uh, what, a comic book? Fan? Yeah. Were you like a comic book fiend? I know you are. Well, sure I wasn't you're... allowed to read horror comics. Uh, oh. uh, and, and because they, what Dr. Wortham was all over 
yeah. the, <laughs> the airwaves and telling people that this is going to rot your kids' minds and make them juvenile delinquents. Uh, so a lot of parents just said, no, I don't want that stuff in my house. Um, I did, however, manage to filch an EC comic, a horror comic, I think The Haunt of Fear or something, uh, which I found in, in, a, in a field behind my house. And, uh, and I, I read it surreptitiously because it was like, uh, you know, captured goods. And, uh, and it, was, it was pretty scary. I mean, it had a corpse and a, a guy came back from the grave and he was all rotted and everything. And it, and it, was, it was very disturbing. It really, really was. It was, it was great. Out. Those books were great. I'm, I assume it was in mid condition and you still have it, right? No, unfortunately, <laughs> it, was, it was beat up even when I saw it. But, um, but, it, but it was, uh, later I was able to, to uh, read EC Comics because my, uh, my uncle, who had just gotten out of college, came to visit and found that I was reading Mad Magazine which was an EC comic. And, and he said to my parents, he said, you know, this kid must be pretty smart if he's reading Mad Magazine. And all of a sudden their whole attitude changed <laughs> about, about Mad Magazine and EC comics and everything. It's like, oh, maybe it's okay for this kid to do Oh, really? Oh, that wow. is so cool. That is great. That's so much, not similar. My dad was very open and I didn't have that restriction. Of course, we didn't get many books over in Italy. You know, these came on the one newsstand on Via Veneto that brought in some American publications. So when they appeared, the few that did it was like, oh my God, I had to have those. So I started with all the pre-superhero Marvel stuff right. and some EC comics. And of course, Mad Magazine for sure. That was, uh, you just had to uh, have that. And and, it's, uh, and that was about it in terms of, you know, books and, well, not books, I read books. But uh, other than that, there were strange Italian movies, Pasolini, Fellini, great music of the 60s. And that's sort of the elixir that, uh, you know, kind of I, I grew up in. Um, well, cool. Well, I, I, yeah, I want to walk through some of those with you. I mean, you're, you're five years old. It's so funny. You know, I go back and, and you know, I watch Frankenstein all the time and it's, it's a great film, but it's been so long since I saw it as a child. I don't know if I can access that initial reaction, but I mean, were you, and I wasn't five, I was older, but were you, I mean, was it scary? Were you actually, it was, afraid you know, or? I sent you a list of my favorite movies and it's actually in that pretty accurate list because if it gets under your skin, I mean, you know, these shocker movies and torture horror and all that stuff is, you know, maybe occasionally a fun ride. But when something is just conceptually such a mind blower mm -hmm. and for a little kid who was beginning to grasp what death was, you know, the idea of piecing together corpses and, that, and then Zappo, the thing comes alive. Oh, my God, that was just it just never left my head. Never. So th those are the early I mean, those are the movies that I love the most that makes makes you just surprises you. That's why even a movie like. You know, Sixth Sense. Luckily, no one tipped me off. I went to the theater. I heard it was a good movie. Knew nothing about it, and I was so fooled. And so I so much enjoyed that. All those movies. You know, The Wolfman is another thing that, as a little kid, you go, "Oh my God, that that could happen, right?" You know, you, you could get bitten, turn into a wolf, and I don't know. It's all that along with visual effects that make these these movies terrific. Sure. Uh, well, what, what, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I want to kind of walk through some of those films with you that, that you enjoyed. Like, are any um, of your, are any of your you dad's movies on the list? Uh, My dad's movies? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, he made, he made, he made I Bury the Living, which is he did. up until the last five minutes. I know. And, you know, movie. <laughs> I wish my dad was around. Um, obviously, he was a really super father. And, um, but the original script, his, the original idea that he and Lou Garfinkel, his writing partner, wrote was, in fact, those corpses came out of the out of the grave. It's the movie that you would have wanted that would have made it absolutely even better than it was. And Allied Artists did not let them do that. I thought it was yeah. just too gross, and they had to 
tone it down and make it kind of a psychological thing. He also made a movie called Face of Fire that I liked a lot. And Which is shot was in Sweden. Shot in Sweden. He took us there again. I was probably in that same era, five or six. And he put me and my brother, and then later on, just me in his first four or five movies we shot in Europe. And I learned to really hate it. Uh, I played the son of Steve Reeves in a Hercules movie. And wow. I'll remember his, them curling my hair and painting my face. And I thought, this sucks. I don't want to be that. I want to be the, the guy behind the camera, you know, the, the guy calling the shots. So uh, I quickly got out of that, you know, gig. But um, yeah, I lost my trend of thought, but really fun movies for sure. Yeah, my dad's movies are great, but I had to quickly just throw down the ones that come to mind. There are more. I mean, how can you make a top 10 list? No, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But but uh, but there's there's much to be learned by sort of diving through, uh, you know, into that top 10 list. Yeah. Um, like after after Frankenstein, what was sort of like the next one that really? Um... The next one was uh, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. From the incredible mm. score that I can still hum, dun, 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 da, da, <laughs> da, 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 the Bernard Herrmann score. Again, that stop motion animation it affected everything going forward. And I, anytime I could afford it, I sprinkled it into my movies because it's magic. Mm. Um, so that was probably the next film. I mean, I saw other movies from the fifties barely because I was a little kid. But that one left an impression. I wanted to see it again. But again, back then, you couldn't see anything again. You know, it was like it was a one time shot on TV or in the movie theaters. Right. Um, and then, yeah, then probably the other Universal movies, starting with uh, Wolfman and, um, you know, just onwards. Uh, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, Jason and the Argonauts, you know, all that stuff. I love inanimate objects coming to life. I can't afford, you know, the 100 foot talos. So I do the little 16 inch doll, you know. <laughs> right. I was was that your first Harryhausen then? Yeah, the Seven Voyages in that. Yeah, that's a pretty it's a pretty seminal movie in a lot of childhoods. Of that oh era. yeah, yeah. Because the, the most of the black and white ones that he had done were they were they were popular, but they weren't you know big grocers. But this one was a big surprise to Columbia, and uh, it got him his whole run of Charlie Schneer uh, things. You know, absolutely. Things. Absolutely. And I was lucky to work with Dave Allen, who was Harryhausen's protege, and then did movies with me like Dolls and Puppet Master and so forth mm -hmm. and so on. But um, yeah, those were magic movies. And, you know, they, the formula was magic. You know, they were kind of character driven. You cared about the people and the, and the effects. They sprinkled in the effects. Right. They were they were there and briefly. And then, of course, today it's the opposite. You barely see a human. But once again, we get New York destroyed for the umpteenth time, the billions of lasers. And it's like, oh, my God, it's, I've been here two and a half hours. Is this movie over? Uh, so what? Yeah, I, I love the way, too. Uh, you know, those effects. I mean, I guess if you had put a gun to my head when I was about seven, I'd be like, yeah, I know that's fake. You can tell by looking. And yet somehow. Yeah, there's well, a lot of like King Kong, you know, I mean, it, it's it's the same technique, but, yeah. you know, in 1933, yep. I mean, that must have been just staggering. Yeah, yeah. But, but, and, and there's also almost something about the unreality of it that sort of adds to the surrealism to the to the, to the effect. I can't really describe it, but yeah, I, I still feel that sometimes when I go back to those. It's like, yeah, I know. I'm very excited to know, you know, now as a grown man, you know, how they do that and, and uh, how they manage to put the little tiny skeleton in the shop. Well, with King Kong, you but, can actually see his, you see what looks like the wind in his fur, but actually is the effect of the, the, the fingers mm -hmm. on yeah. the puppet. Yeah, you know? exactly. And yes. it, it just happens to work out that it actually enhances it. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. I mean, what, what, um, 
what did that feel like though seeing seeing that kind of stuff for the first time like when you're watching Sinbad was that uh it was great this made me want to clearly do movies like that you know you yeah. get inspired and I was already plotting you know to uh be part of that uh, you know I a lot of my movies have stop motion and Dave Allen did yeah. all of it until he passed away and you know it's an it's an excruciatingly slow process you know we had his lab for many years on our lot here in, in town. And I would love at the end of the day after, you know, maneuvering and trying to stay alive to go visit. And, you know, three days in a row, it would be like, the creature would be like this. And two days later it would be like that. It'd be like, <laughs> oh my God. Cause you know, it's uh, to get four or five seconds over four or five days was, you know, that was kind of the, the plan. So, but it's great. It, it's a magic, you know, and kind of a lost art. Yeah, and, and and a lot of your films um, sort of stuck with uh, some of those effects. Um, way yeah. past the point where a lot of other people sort of moved on to, as you say, sort of uh, you know they more did. opulent. No, and, something you mentioned earlier about seeing or we seeing these movies for the first time with a father or an uncle, you know, because I there was a period after home video died, which kept us alive for decades, and I was touring. I I tried to find a way to connect with the fans, and this was before finally streaming kind of came in and for us saved the day. So I went and I did over about four years, about 200 cities. It was like a little bizarre Ozfest. I would bring props. I, I would have celebrity guests, some of them all horror icon type celebrity guests, including people like William Shatner. And we'd take over a theater, five, six, seven, 800 people. The fans would definitely show up. I would sell merch at the end. And, you know, it kind of connected me with, you know, in a much more limited way than what home, direct to home video was. But after the show it was about a two-hour show i was like the mc and i did my shtick and brought people on stage and i chopped heads off i did anything to entertain then i would sit down and sign merch because we brought merch that's how we you know paid for it and survived and made a few bucks so i had over those years the opportunity to speak to literally tens of thousands of fans only for a moment but sometimes a minute a half a minute and i learned so much about what you know they enjoy and what turns them on and one of the there are a couple of funny things but one of them was so many of them saw my movies since i was there you know hawking my films for the first time too young with a mom or a grandmother or an uncle somebody who just said fuck it let me let me show this kid puppet master oh he's six years old it's not <laughs> right. great but you know that's such a a, a a thing that i've discovered you know it just runs across uh, generations yeah no absolutely and of course you know here's here's you being taken to or you know, shown Frankenstein at five by your yeah. father. So this, the tradition lives on. <laughs> I may have been seven. I, I don't want to make my dad uh, seven. Like, like he's a monster, <laughs> but it, I was really young and the concept blew my brain. Mm. Uh, well, give us, give us, yeah, let's talk about another one on your, uh, on your list. What the. Well, I mean, you know, the exorcist may as well jump on that. I mean, that's sure. probably everyone's favorite, but you know, again, part of it, even though it plays beautifully and it sort of stands the test of time, which is unique. But I was there because I was, I read the book. I was so into seeing this. It was the first day in Westwood. It was in Westwood on a Friday. I think I was, went to the third screening and I was by myself for some odd reason. And, you know, this is bad. You couldn't reserve a seat. You had to wait in fricking line. And, you know, so I got there early. But when you got there, there were ambulances, there were doctors, you know, it was a William Castle thing, you know, it was there, there and, and there were people being carried out. So when you got oh, into wow. the theater, I mean, the vibe was just amazing. I mean, because the word was out and I guess, you know, they did a good job. We were, and, were they actually doing that? Were they, were they, they doing that kind of casual 
shtick yeah. was that, that Justin was, L.A.? Yeah, they, that know, was, yeah, but it was yeah. justified because, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it, it had a particularly, of, a, a particularly pernicious effect on lapsed Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Really. And yeah. uh, to the point where people who didn't even give any thought to religion suddenly were like racked with guilt after seeing this picture and scared. No, it's true. It. And I grew up in a Catholic country. So, you know, to me, that was part of it. But it was also just a, a, such an amazingly well-made movie and and people were were fainting i mean during the screening i oh, yeah, for saw sure. two people were carried out it wasn't so much a gimmick as castle did all the gimmicks and i love yeah, all yeah. that these people really lost consciousness Wait, were so there were actually there were ambulances in front because people were actually yeah because it was you know even today with everything we've seen we're so jaded it's still powerful but back then yeah. Yeah. it was like just you know to me it was as you know strong and, and, and impressionable as looking at Star Wars. You know, I mean, Star Wars in its own oh, way had yeah. that effect. You had never seen anything like that before, you know, new canvas. So wait, so Joe, where were you when you saw it first? Were you, were you in I LA saw it at that Philadelphia. point? Oh, I saw Philadelphia. in Philadelphia, yeah, at the Rittenhouse Theaters Plaza, whatever they were. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and I remember um, people, people it, when it started, people wanted to laugh at it. Uh, and then by the middle of it, they were like dead silent. And then, <laughs> right. and then they sort of trooped out like from a funeral. Uh, but when I saw it again on Market Street in a black theater, uh, they laughed through the entire movie. Really? really? Yes. And, uh, it, and it, was, it wasn't derisive laughter. It was, no. it was, it was just they, they thought it was really funny. It was fun. Yeah. When, when you say a black theater, you mean the audience was black? Largely, yeah. Largely black. So, you know, because I'm sure you were here as well, there was nothing more fun when I got back in the 70s than to go on Hollywood Boulevard and see some of these exploitation movies with a predominantly black audience. I oh, mean, yeah. the, the audience, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever, someone should have recorded, you know, it would be beyond mystery science theater. Someone should have recorded the whole audience experience and what they would call out and scream at the screen. It was just the most fun. It's, I saw I saw Omega Man uh, at the, the same theater, and uh, when the, um, the, the 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 zombies who are many of which are black people in white face, the woman in back of me said, "He looked like sin dipped in misery." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's cool. And there was, they were yelling, "Don't go in there, motherfucker! Yeah, what yeah. are you doing, bitch?" You know, I mean, yeah. that, no, it's true. That that is that is, that is a fun way to even watch your own movie. With their <laughs> like that for sure, for sure. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, well, yes, and that was that was part of the Philadelphia movie going experience for sure uh, when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, so you're you're obviously you're no longer seven years old when you're at The Exorcist. I mean, you're you're um, uh, and and we don't usually do this, but I mean, what, what is your religious background tapping into The Exorcist in any way or not? Not really. Um, again, grew up in a Catholic country. So that's kind of how oh, I would... feel more than anything else. And my closest friends, you know, we're still at that time mm. going to church every Sunday. So I would think that would have had an effect. It, it, it had an that, effect, but yeah. it was just a, you know, it's what, it's what's underneath the surface that makes these pictures great. Other than the, you know, the, the effects and the, you know, now it's, you know, they, they forgot all that. Most movies don't have that. Although get yeah. out was terrific. I mean, there's a movie that had it all. And again, I, no one told me what it was about. I thought, all right, here it's pretty good. And I thought, wow, this thing is my kind of horror movie. This really caught us by surprise, for sure. Yeah. No, and I want, I want to get to that one in a minute, too. But you also talk about um, Sixth Sense and sort of said the same thing. And I, I agree. I, there's, I, I love going to a movie with no expectations. And I've yeah. gotten somehow fairly good at uh, 
scanning reviews just to sort of get a sense of whether or not I might enjoy it without right. giving anything up, you know, and that's a, I would argue it's a real art form. But, yeah. I, um, I, if I'm, if I'm interested in a movie, I'll save the review till after I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, because yep. they, the, the spoiler alerts are, <laughs> they just, they just loved it. They tell a whole plot. Well, these days, uh, yeah. So many, so many reviews are just that they're, they're not, critiques they're just reviews and you find yourself reading here's the first act of the second act of the third act and then there's a summary paragraph and that makes me insane but yeah i, yeah, I saw um i was stuck in traffic coming home from comic-con one year and and didn't have was not in a rush to get home and there was a multiplex halfway there and they were showing six cents had just opened and i knew nothing about it i was like what a great way to walk into that film yeah, I knew nothing either, and that's the best way. I was blessed. Yeah. A lot of people were tipped off, but I knew nothing. I was just thoroughly fooled. Yeah, don't you find like even if, um, you know, if someone had said to me, oh, by the way, there's a twist ending to this movie, that would have ruined it. Yeah. Because I'd be yeah, looking I mean, for it. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Sitting around waiting for it, yeah. Yeah, and you sort of, and you would be, you would be figuring it out because it's, it's actually not that difficult. Hidden, not that difficult if you're looking for it. And uh um, but I also All think it's, it's really important not to look for that stuff. Don't you like let to it wash over you? Yeah, let it happen. And um, you know, I have friends who are very proud of being able to predict everything that's gonna happen in a movie, and I'm just much happier being dumb. Yeah, I know, for <laughs> it's sure. Like, I mean, really, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um uh yeah, let's let's uh, what give me give me give me give me another one, Charlie. Uh, um reanimator. Oh no, that's one of my <laughs> Another that's, one on my that's, list. It's a fair cop. By the way, we just we just had Barbara Crampton on. So okay, well there you go. She's amazing. She really is amazing. She is amazing. Yes. And we also made we made a bunch of movies together, but also um, Castle Freak. She mm -hmm. did a real good mm -hmm. job. She and and Jeffrey. So I don't know. You know what's weird is the, the movies sort of remain the same. I'm sort of making the same movie with a limited budget that I've done forever. Mm -hmm. the mediums change, and it's so interesting how that has affected everything that we do. Um, we start shooting our eighth movie this year in on December 1st in Cleveland. I of all places, that's another story. And it's number 354. So I, I've numbered everything. I'm a collector, I'm a freak. So <laughs> literally from the first movie in the 70s all the way to the one we're about to shoot. Now we're at number 354. Wow. But it, it is interesting if you have some age, you know, you've seen these movies in the movie theater. People ask me, Well, what what is a B movie? I said, Well, it's it'd be a lot of things, but it's really the B side of the double bill. I mean, we were always in the 70s, I made movies like Tourist Trap and Laser Blast and Crash and all these drive-in movies. And they were always, you know, played after the A movie, the, you know, the theater. The, 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 the first crash. The first right? crash. The one, yes. No, yeah, the, one with, yeah. the one with Jose Ferrer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, and back not, then. Not the Cronenberg one. No, no, no. no I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, uh, back, the then, other one. <laughs> back then, the edict from the exhibitors through my not-so-awesome distributor at the time was, your concepts are good. We like all this, but put people have, with recognizable names. We don't care if they're, you know, at the end of their career, if they're 70, you wheel them in, just, you got to put some names in your movies. So all those movies had, I worked with amazing actors. I mean, well, yeah, Jose Ferrer and uh, Richard Basehart and Mansion of the Doom and uh, Dean Jagger and, uh, you know, Chuck Connors, <laughs> you know, the, just one out, and David Carradine, you know, who I grew up looking at Carradine in the Universal movies. He he was in Crash, and just just that was really, 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 really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fun. But uh, so, like, what's a movie? Then you know, you talked about 
the changes and everything? What's a movie that you've seen kind of multiple times um, that, and, and, and do you find that your reaction to them changes or are they kind of the same every time? No, it changes because, you know, I see a movie that I maybe saw first time in the seventies or the God knows the sixties. And um, I always, those movies I saw in the theater. So, you know, that you can't really replicate that experience, yeah. which is a, a pity, you know, it's, uh, these movies aren't playing in the theater anymore. I don't know what's going to be in the theater in five or 10 years, but they won't be small independent or cutting edge art films. So, and you see it again many years later and, and you know, somehow the, the thread is there, but you know, you're sitting at home and you pause and you, you get a glass of wine. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just another vibe. Even when- And also you're movies, a different, you're a different person yeah. than you were when you saw it the first time. I mean, the, the movies don't change, but we do. Yeah, but I think the viewing experience is important. And yeah, we change for sure. I'm kind of the same. I mean, in my brain, I'm still like 18, 19, figuring this business out, even though I appreciate that, as we say in Italy, you never say you're older in Italy, you're just more mature, right? Mm. I appreciate, you know, seriously, if you have a, a friend and you say, well, how's, you know, do you have an older brother? And she goes, no, no, it's a più maturo. It's more mature than me. It's not older. Old doesn't exist. But having said that, um, I, I kind of think I'm the same guy. I think I would enjoy it the same if I could time travel back to the seventies and see it on, a, you know, the Cinerama dome or right. you know, those, those experiences with a packed house, you know? And do you, do you just, go back to movies a lot? Like, have you seen the exorcist a dozen times or not? No, not, not as many as I should. As a matter of fact, um, occasionally I, I've been with the same, I call her a girl. She is a girl uh, now for 18 years. And we we're just so good together. And occasionally she'll find a movie. It's not an obvious one. It's one that's, probably a little more obscure, but a terrific movie. I go, yeah, let's watch it. Cause we're trying to find better movies since the current crop, not so great. And sometimes halfway through the movie, I go, oh, I've seen this before. You know, so it's like, <laughs> and I'm embarrassed. Like it was a good movie too. I thought, oh shit, I did see this movie probably in the eighties or in the seventies, but you know, that happens too. But well, you might've been under the influence too. Sometimes you don't remember. Always. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just drink, I'm a very moderate drinker. I've never done drugs. I'm the only kid I know from my era that, no drugs, zero, just didn't do it. Not my thing. And, and I drink wine, you know, so I, I, but yeah, sometimes you're tired. You have two glasses of wine and then you don't remember anything. <laughs> when you started, you said, I just drink and I was waiting. I'm, I'm still waiting. I drink a lot. I just drink a lot. I'm usually hammered when I go to the movies. So, uh, wow. Really? No, no, no. I'm saying I was, I was hoping that's where we were going. Oh no, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we'd like to pause a minute to thank our sponsor. We have a sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com, a perfect sponsor for us because it's a movie collector's website. They're not only huge fans of our show, but they also feature many of the movies we talk about here. And so you can easily find them and add to your collection. That's right, Joe. Um, they have, uh, I would say, you know what? I'm not going to take the hour and a half to find out if they have all of the 5,998 movies that Charlie's produced, but I will bet you they have most of them. They also have most, if not all, of the other movies we talk about on this episode. Sure, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want, when you want, and guess what? It'll 100% be there tomorrow, unless, I don't know, your house burns down or something. Because um, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, streaming, uh, stuff you buy on streaming can disappear. They can take it away from you. Not cool. Uh, plus, there's usually a ton of great content, bonus features like director's commentary, deleted scenes, all sorts of goodness. So click the Movies Unlimited banner on the Trailers from Hell website. Or go directly to MoviesUnlimited.com and you can find the Movies That Made Me banner where we uh, link to all the movies that are mentioned on every episode. Uh, 
plus everything else they've got there. Hard to find films, imports, so many more. So go to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't think, between Godfather and one, I don't think those are better movies that I can think of that just, not just the first experience. Those are movies I've seen probably half a dozen times. Not always by myself. I'll be with my family or one of my kids or, you know, it'll come up and I, you know, just an incredibly well-made movie. I mean, just doesn't get much better on, on just every front. And I assume like Exorcist, you saw it in the theater originally when it first came out or? Oh yeah, Exorcist, yeah. That's the, no, I mean, like, like Exorcist, you saw it. Oh, oh, absolutely. When it first oh yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's a movie that, you know, yes, the audience reaction was there, but people sit kind of quiet. It was, it's more yeah. of a movie that plays, I think, in, in any medium, you know. And it's weird how that's changed because from the 70s, and I know, Joe, you've been there, you know, it was, I would go sometime, I didn't really like seeing my movies, you know, I just kept moving forward, I'm not good at looking back, but you know, occasionally someone say, come on, let's go see, let's go to the theater and go see one of these movies, and it was sort of fun, especially if there was a full house and a bummer if no one was there, which also <laughs> but then it suddenly morphed into the video business, and I was the first guy out there, I was literally the second home video company on planet Earth. And, you know, I licensed, I mean, I had my own movies. I licensed movies like, you know, I Spit on Your Grave and Tunnel Vision and Groove Tube and, you know, Halloween and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it was a kind of a great growing business. But suddenly all this stuff was going on at home. And in those early days, people did not get it. I mean, I even had briefly two video stores, retail stores. I, re- I learned quickly that not, not, not a good business. I, I don't want to deal with that. We had people working there. But in the very beginning, I don't know, you, you remember, I'm sure, Joe, I mean, the minute I heard about this Betamax machine that you rec- could record off television, and then you read about a guy named Andre Blay, who licensed those 20 movies from Fox. I mean, he is the godfather, you know, of the home video business. And you could go to Sears and buy this Betamax, and there'd be a rack of 20 movies that you could purchase for $49.95 and watch at will. I mean, that was like, oh my God, that is going to be the best business ever. Of course, since I was always the first guy to buy this stuff, the only available Betamax at the time in the beginning was in this huge Ben Cartwright carved console with the TV. You couldn't just buy the deck, right? <laughs> that came later. So yeah, I, even though I didn't need it, I brought home. This and what, it was probably about a thousand dollars, right? Oh, it was at least probably more. That was a lot yeah. of money, a lot of money. And even the decks were six, seven hundred dollars when they first came out. Now, uh, you know, and then at the end they gave them away, but. Um, but yeah, that was really, really cool. So I started that that label and video was happening, but but we had people come in the store literally who would buy a movie. They were a very small selection. This is before even rental. You know, rental exploded the business. But in the very, very beginning, you had one choice. You want to spend $49.95 for the French connection or $39.95 for tunnel vision. That was it. No one was renting anything. So people, first adapters would come in excited. Oh my God. And they would buy the movie and more times than not, they would come back the next day and say, this fucking thing doesn't work. I said, what do you mean? Well, we put it on the TV and nothing. It didn't play nothing. And you had to explain, no, you need to buy a deck. 
you got to plug the deck into, I mean, this has happened 10 times over the first year. That's how new this whole thing was. Wait, wait, wait. Was so you thought that you just, you literally put the yeah. tape on top of the TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more, more than once. This well, is, that would be a this great is, invention. This is stuff, well, we're better than that. I could I do that with my iPhone now. So. And now it's just beep, 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 beep. You know, that kind of, you don't have to do anything. As long as your fingers work here, you can find anything you want. <laughs> That's fascinating. That's hilarious. And then I, but because I got to remember, I guess I was beta because when VHS, when, when that came out, was even more expensive, wasn't it? That was the whole. Well, it was a, if you, if you had a video store, it cost you a hundred bucks to, mm. to, to buy a, a tape. Right. And then you would supposedly make that money back by, by renting it out a lot of times. But, yeah. then when, but once, once the ability to copy happened, people would take them home and copy them. And then hand them yeah, most people, friends. most people didn't have the time. And when it, video rental changed everything and the studios hated it for a minute until they realized they were making tons of money because there were 8 million video stores and they thought, okay, fuck it. We're not going to, we're not going to bother these stores anymore because now suddenly, you know, you're not having to buy a 50, hundred dollar video that you're going to watch twice, maybe for three, four bucks, you could rent it. And that's what made video just, you know, become as huge as it was for, for a couple of decades. Yeah. Um, have you ever, uh, and speak, I guess, speaking of video as a segue, have, have you ever watched the, um, you're sort of going back to see the Godfather and, and Joe, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, the, uh, um, what was it called? The Godfather saga where they edited it all into. Yeah, they took, they, they, it was for, I think it was for a network. Uh, and they yeah. edited the whole thing into, uh, supposedly one. Well, he did, right? He, he, yeah. he did the, well, but, I, but he, that was back when he really needed money too. Uh, uh, and he put it all in chronological order, which as it turned out, was not really the greatest idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it once and it's an interesting artifact, but, uh, yeah, it does not compare. Although it's fun seeing some of those scenes. You could do it with star Wars too. Yeah, you exactly. To, you know, if you wanted to have to sit through the phantom menace just to get to the good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not my thing. I hate this revisionist stuff. I mean, these movies need to exist as they were created and, I, I remember the Godfather thing. I didn't want to watch that. It's like, I don't want to spoil what was so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, I found it interesting. It's never going to be, you know, my replacement for the original, but it's sort of fun. Cause there's also a lot of stuff that's not in any of the films that he's edited. in. isn't there a scene where like, what is it? There, there's, there's a scene where a kid uh, runs through who's uh, you find out afterwards, it's supposed to be Carmine Coppola and it's um, him getting excited about getting into music or something. I mean, there's all these kind of things that don't really belong in the actual films, but right. are kind of fun to watch. Right. Right. one time one time <laughs> and i'm i tend to and coppola is pretty good about it it's like i'm I'm like do whatever you want to the film just make sure we can still see your original in the best form possible and no knock exactly. yourself out yes he's out with a new uh version of dementia 13 which he's uh, yes. painstakingly restored and cut out all the jack hell pieces <laughs> it's entertaining it we we it's watched it at my halloween marathon and it's it's uh everybody the same response like, i don't remember the original film that much but i don't remember enjoying it this much so uh, wow, I didn't know that at all. I don't know. Yeah, you guys yeah. are on top of this. Um, <laughs> I just love the idea of, of Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> How many years ago did he make that movie? Everything he's doing, he's still going to bed at night, going, "God damn it, someday I'm going to go back and fix that fucking." Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> you know that that wine empire of his is it's a billion dollar business. You know, you you, you forget that yeah. Yeah, he made wonderful movies, but oh boy. He's a big wine. Yeah, dude. he doesn't. He doesn't you know, he's he's an amazing, amazing filmmaker. Um, and then you uh, you mentioned a Kubrick film too on your on your list. You want to talk about The Shining at all? Well, I I love them all. I mean, I'm a yeah. Kubrick freak. So um, 
but you know, the, you know, and I know the controversy, and I read all of King's books, and I was mentioned some of his early ones. So I'm very happy that he mentioned Crash and a few other Charlie Van Drive-in movies. Having said that, um, The Shining is just a fantastic movie, and it's even play. I mean, it played amazing again on the big screen. I saw it at the Cinerama Dome again opening night. I did a terrible thing. I shouldn't admit this, but I had. I'm so you know buried with what I do. I didn't have the time back in the day, eventually as I had money and fame and fortune, and then of course I lost everything more than once, but I, I didn't have time to wait in that line and I wanted the perfect seat. So I would hire people to wait. I know it's terrible to admit this. I would hire people and they were delighted because they wound up seeing the movie and making 50 bucks or whatever it was. And then of course I would, at the right time, this is before cell phones, I had to time it pretty well. I had to go and meet whoever it was to get and you know, intent in line because otherwise you were screwed you'd have to right wait forever but yeah the um uh, the shining is just a fantastic movie that whatever magic he he used in that film other than the you know the underlying material even though i know he changed it a bit jack nicholson who's always amazing so yeah it's um it's it's a terrific film yeah and it it still plays um it still plays it's uh film and I'm, I'm constantly boggled um a guest recently talking about stephen king's relationship with films and uh you know i mean the book is still there he's gotten to do it his way again it's like i i i, I just stanley kubrick made an amazing movie based on your book why are you why are you so upset right, <laughs> right. And, the, and the worst thing again it's easy to trash movies that you know everyone sets out to make a good movie and you know it doesn't it's it's magic if it even on my little tiny level. It's magic when something turns out and sort of stands the test of time. But they made a sequel. I forget what it was called. Oh, what yeah. Uh, Dr. Sleep. Last oh, year. my God. Yeah. I mean, if they would have just taken away the exorcist stuff and just kept the Dr. Sleep thing, that was kind of a fun. But then they went the thing in the room and the kids and the blood. It's like meaningless. It's meaningless. None of that works without the underpinnings of the maestro. So I don't know, yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> That's a, a marvelous film, and and uh, then and you mentioned it earlier. I want to talk about that too because it, it it is. There's something about Get Out that had that just kind of, you know, there've been a ton of great horror films over the years, but that just that one felt like a classic. I mean, the minute I saw it, and um, what are, you're a fan, Joe. I mean, obviously, yes, Joe. Joe's a right, fan. Get Out is wonderful. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a terrific movie, and it was so unexpected. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, there's there are, there are two endings. Um, the the one that he chose, I think, oh, right, is, right, right. is the best one. Yeah. Uh, but there, but there was originally another ending that was um, more conventional. Really, I, I didn't know that. I'm glad he chose whatever he chose because it works. But I didn't know that. That's that's a, you know a movie that should have been on the list for me was King Kong, which is also a magical, amazing movie. And I don't know why I forgot it. But which I one, Charlie? But I, you said ten. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And which I, which... I'm and sort I think of joking, I gave you but, 11, so I already kind uh, of messed up the formula. We're not doctrinaire here about that. Yeah, we don't <laughs> give tickets out. But uh, which, which I'm half facetious, I suspect I know which one, but which, which King Kong are we? Uh, 1933. There's <laughs> only one King Kong. There's, know, there I'm, are other pretenders to the throne, but there's only I one. I know, King I know. Kong. I'm still, you know, the, the, I was talking to somebody the other day who said that uh, the, the the episode that made Mark Marin go from a popular podcast to, you know, this mega show was when um, he had Gallagher on and upset him so much that Gallagher stormed off the set. So I thought maybe by asking which King Kong we could get Charlie to, you know, throw up his hands and go, off. fuck you guys and storm out of here and <laughs> no. get some news. No. I thought it was the um, I thought it was the episode I did with Mel Marin that made him a big 
thing here. Oh, that that was that took him to the next level. I mean, that's the one that he you know he played for Obama when he wanted to get him on. But um, uh, but which which so when you saw uh, obviously that that is not a movie you saw opening day in the theater. Um, no, no, that would be hard to do. Yeah, but um, but, but TV I'm assuming. Movie, I'll bet. Oh, right, sure, million dollar movie TV. Yeah. And sixteen times in one week. <laughs> wow! And everybody watched it. All, my, all the kids in school watched it every time it was on. Yeah, yeah. Do Do you have a recollection of about how old you were when you first saw it? Probably also six, seven, six, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we would come back to the states, and you know, my dad would bring us back, try to bring us back once a year to visit, you know, relatives and stuff. So it must have been somewhere in there. But uh, you know, I had a funny, well, funny kind of an interesting experience because I was hanging out with Tina De Laurentiis for a while. We became friendly, you know, Italian is pretty much my first language. And I was doing well in the 80s with a company I had called Empire. And um, we were, at the, this is a long story, but the shortest version is we banked at the same bank, this, you know, the notorious Credit Leonese Bank that all sorts of shenanigans were going on back then. And we had a, a an undeserved, really big line of credit. And I got wind through a friend in Rome that Dino's X studio which was called um, Dino Città, he built it in the 60s with, with government money, and then there were right. some issues with labor unions, and he had to leave. And he left it empty, and it sat that way for many years. But apparently, they, they were renting some of the stages, and I had just shot a movie in Rome, and any excuse to be in Rome was a good one for me. So I said, well, can we rent a stage and go to the Extino, you know, Chita um, facility to shoot and build this interior? And the answer was yes. It was very inexpensive. So we went there. Movie was called Zone Troopers, kind of sci-fi. Bill and DeMeo. World War II. <laughs> movie. I remember, yeah. I'm sorry, what, Joe? Bill and DeMeo. Yeah, that's, well, Bill and DeMeo came into my life with Trancers. That was the first movie that they wrote. You know, Danny Bilson was the assistant cameraman to my guy for many years, a guy named Mac Albert. And my wife at the time, Debbie Dion, he was getting, she got scripts from everyone. And she was really good at it. She said, you know, Danny and this guy, Paul, they, they wrote a really good script. And. Why don't you read it as a writing sample? Because I wanted to make this time travel movie called Trancers. And eventually we made it. They wrote it. They did a great job. That was Helen Hunt's first film. But anyway, going back to Zone Troopers and King Kong and Dino. Um, so I shoot a movie. And I got, again, I heard through the grapevine that Dino, even though he technically didn't own the studio anymore, uh, he wanted to sell it. And because I was in bed with the same bank, Credit Leonese, I should meet with Dino and discuss possibly a deal. So I had met him once before, and he was staying here in LA. This is when he had the studio or his offices down on uh, Wilshire. Anyway, I was summoned up, and we met. Uh, he, had, he was renting this palatial house, with, and he was living with Martha, his, his woman he was with for many years. And we really hit it off. And then finally, we went from kind of cordial to just talking Italian, just getting to the bottom line. And of course, he was always cautious to say, I don't really own it between the lines he controlled it through god knows what other companies and presto bingo subject to one meeting at the bank that i had to go to in rotterdam we made a deal i bought the studio i mean with no money with credit and you know whatever you want to call it some uh, good art of the spiel and i flew to rotterdam and it was a whole hocus pocus and credits and this that and the other and suddenly you know here i am i mean we were doing well i mean empire was making money our, our movies were doing well, but suddenly I lucked into the Dino De Laurentiis, you know, the ex-Dino De Laurentiis studio. And for three and a half very short years, we were the, you know, king of the ants there, making movies, all the rest of it. But during this period, Dino and I became friendly. 
So, you know, he was so excited about his King Kong. I'm getting back to King Kong, otherwise it's a random story. And he was so passionate about this movie. And I went to the um, A premiere and, you know, it, you know, uh, we probably share the same opinion. I mean, you know, it was kind of amazing and Rick Baker and giant ape, and, but, you know, it, it was not a terrific King Kong, but, you know, I did the best I could to tell him how much I, you know, he was really, he went on a, you know, a PR, he was just talking about his monkey and his this and his that. And, they cry when am I conquer die. Oh no! Did, did he said he said I think like somewhere I was a kid and and just even as a kid it made me angry. I was like, "You're not selling me your movie." He said, "When the original Kong die, nobody cry. My Kong die, everybody cry." Right. It's all there going, Fuck you, motherfucker! I'm not gonna see you. It's movie. all true. It's all true. <laughs> but he was a showman. I mean, he he oh, went yeah. on and on. He really was an interesting guy for sure. Um, yeah, and he definitely, and he, he seemed to have a way sort of at a certain point of like producing movies. I, know there was a, I remember an article years ago in Spy Magazine about, about him and sort of how, you know, he had taken movies like Blue Velvet and Manhunter and just, which should have been, I would argue, I, I agree, kind of massive hits and managed to somehow get the films made perfectly and then demolish them in the marketing or something, which was really frustrating. Well, I'm not sure that's, uh, that, I mean, Blue Velvet, that? which I love, that's an odd movie to sell. That is not your, your GP, like... You know, everyone's going to show up to that bizarre. Bring the kids. Come on. Okay. Maybe yeah, my theory may have holes in it. He made, I, I, Dino made a lot of good movies. He made a lot of hits. Oh, he made some great films. films. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for in sure. The, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, but one, one more quick story because I'm just reminded. So we, I, you know, we buy the studio, which was literally 100 acres, five sound stages, a whole warehouse chock full of costumes from the Bible and Barbarella. And like an idiot, I should have taken those and put them yeah. somewhere else because nothing lasts forever in this business. And three and a half years later, we we lost it because it, it ended. But I briefly, when I was there, would be in his office. And his office was not only huge, it had the biggest desk I've ever seen in my life. You know, Dino was a real short guy. I've heard but his, this. Yes. his desk, even the one he had on Wilshire Boulevard, if you were ever there. It was gigantic. Was just ginormous. It was Rodeo Drive, by the way. Not what? It was on Rodeo Drive. Not I thought it was right. Literally it was on Rodeo. Rodeo, yeah, with the two stone lions outside and the staircase. Yeah, but, the, but didn't he then buy a building on Wilshire that was a, kind of a marble building? Am I thinking of... Uh, no, he had. there was a building. It was DEG, and it was on Wilshire. All right, DEG. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Anyway, who knows? All I, I know is that yeah. you know, his desk was half the size of my room, and he had a pedestal <laughs> so he could... When he stood up, you know, be oh, taller. He'd be higher than oh, dear. yeah. He was a short guy. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, wonderful. Wow. Um, well, Charlie, man, thank you, thank you so much for uh, taking us down that that road. That was a lot of fun. No, there's so many roads. I mean, you know, I yeah. built a studio in Romania. That's another. Ins- I mean, those stories are in the book. Guess what? I'm going to hold it up. I was told at least once. Hold up. We're, the, we're an audio podcast. Unfortunately, he's it's holding an audio up podcast. Oh, well, whatever. So I'm holding <laughs> up. You should know that he's holding up the book and it has a very nice cover. It, uh, <laughs> yes, Confessions of a Puppet Master. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's out now. Um, you can get it. I'm, I'm Go to a bookstore, people. There's still some out there. They need your support yeah. in these terrible times. Uh, I will appreciate it. Um, definitely. But uh, yeah, well, um, uh, and then and you wrote it entirely during um, our, our little... Uh, flirtation with quarantine yeah, yeah that- what happened which is only i got strange happening strange things happened to me during my bizarro career but i felt okay you know i got some downtime even though we kept making movies i made a movie called corona zombies on the eve of the pandemic and that <laughs> is a really funny uh, chapter in the book but 
somehow HarperCollins were interested in my life story because it was pretty, you know, I don't know, unique and weird. And they put me with a friend who was a literary agent who called me and said, hey, you know, we can make a deal here. Do you want to write this book? I said, I'm not a writer. I can tell my story. He said, well, let me, let me put you, get, you together with a, with a biographer, the wonderful writer. He gave me some choices. Top choice was a fellow named Adam Fowler, who's fantastic. I also loved him because he was the head writer for 11 years in the Bill Maher show. And I loved the Bill Maher show. And I gave Bill his first screen role That's right. in a movie called Cannibal Women and the Avocado Jungle of Death. So, you know, this all made sense. So we spent five months of Saturday mornings for a few hours, you know, he's pulling these stories out of me. And I, I rarely think about any of this. I'm so forward thinking. Do I really sit and try to remember 40, 50 years ago? No, but that all worked out, you know, and then they love the book and, and today's the day. Today's the day it actually is available. Fantastic. Um, well, well, best, best of luck with the book. Uh, thank looking you. forward to checking it out. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you thank so much. You. And for I got to say, us. Joe, I, I'm a fan of your movies. I should have brought this up. You know, you. Up nope, too late. Look. Cut. <laughs> no, don't cut nothing. He's made some awesome, awesome he films. Sure has, you yes. know, totally awesome films. And I'm, I'm sure I was, quote, inspired by a few of them. I'm trying to remember which ones. Like, didn't I make ghoulies after? I don't know. I don't remember. Is he admitting to something here, Joe? That uh, maybe, I, uh, I, listen, I, I fired. <laughs> I had to fire Luca Bercovici off a movie, which I, which he totally did not deserve to be fired off of. But it was. It was well, let me ask you this, Joe. Now that we're, I mean, probably not too much. Yeah. No. Movie, no. No. But, dive deep. This is God, no. Oh no. Eh, not worth it. Was this after he made ghoulies? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. so it goes. <laughs> I don't know. Nice guy. Anyway, but, um, anyway, thank you again for Thanks, having Sarah. me on your show. I, I love the setup. I didn't realize this was not. I thought this was a Zoom thing. It is a Zoom thing. It is, yeah, it's, but we it's only. It's a Zoom thing, but we used to do it in person before COVID. So, people, so now people, people to listen Burbank. to it just audio. Just yeah, audio. Yep. It's always oh, been. So a I put on one of my better shirts for no reason. I'm did. sorry. Absolutely. No, I'm and sorry. If you shaved, it was for naught. I did. I did. Been working at home for a year and a half. It's like you know. We should know. we should make sure we tell people that. I, uh, yeah. Don't worry. Don't wear pants. Don't take a shot. None of us wear all, pants. Um, yeah. All right. Well, good talking. We've been seeing you too, Joe. Thanks. Thank all right, you. guys. Take Bye, care. Joe. Bye. Wait, 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 wait. Hold it. Hold it. So right now I'm being joined by my good friend Adam Rifkin, uh, who you almost certainly know is a terrific writer and director um, who's been making wonderful films for quite some time now. Uh, the Dark Backward, of course. Detroit Rock City, uh, Night at the Golden Eagle, which is one I particularly love. Uh, Giuseppe makes a movie. Uh, director's Cut, um, The Last Movie Star, which was uh, Burt Reynolds' swan song, which, come on, if you have not seen that yet, please go out and get. Tell, tell them what we're doing. We are having a secret screening. Top secret, hush hush. Please, uh, please keep everything under your hat. Don't tell anyone. This is a secret screening of a secret movie that, that Josh and I have used some of our pandemic time to create. And um, we're excited to show it to people, but um, we can't say what it is. And uh, we, we, we hope they don't shut us down before we can before we can actually project it. Exactly right. Uh, now, just, just, to be, just to be clear, it's not porn. Don't worry. No, no. It's, it's, <laughs> I guess you could say technically it's uh, family friendly. It is definitely family friendly. It's, uh, it is a laugh riot, I would say. Um, that is, a, that is um, officially 
Uh, by the way, let's let's uh, here. Let me let me read that. We got some we got some great blurbs. We showed some friends. Here's uh, here's Penn and Teller, uh, legendary Penn and we, Teller. Those Penn and Tellers, not not some other Penn and Teller. We're not pulling the wool over your eyes. Penn and Teller watched this uh, week before last in Las Vegas, and they said we loved it. It's pure concentrated cinema. Adam and Josh really really understand movies and prove that all the rules we've come to accept about what makes a movie a movie are bullshit. It's a beautiful thing, motherfucker. Um, from Penn and Teller. Who else? From Penn and Teller. Uh, we showed it to our friend Dana Gould. Comedy um, mastermind. Comedy legend Dana Gould, uh, who also loved it. Uh, Ike Barinholtz, um, uh, who's also been on our show. Hilarious uh, said, actor, writer, director, producer, Ike Barinholtz. Truly have never seen anything like it. I laughed very hard and felt a warm wave of nostalgia. Full disclosure, Ike Barinholtz is my cousin, but... Um, he didn't have to say that, though. I, 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 he, he did not have to say that. And in our family, I just want you to know, we take great pride in being brutally honest with one another. So if he hated it, he would have been delighted to tell me. That is correct. But um, yeah, we've shown it to a bunch of people already, and they have, they have loved it. Um, they have said it's not like anything they've seen before. And uh, we are going to be there. Um, our friend uh, Jonah Ray from Mystery Science Theater is going to be there uh, to do a Q&A with us afterwards. Believe me, uh, he and you will have questions. Um, here's a fun thing. Jonah's awesome. Jonah doesn't know what he's seeing either. Uh, yeah, so, and, and, and I, yeah. I, will, I will point out that the uh, American Cinematheque, which is where we were screening it, they have no idea what, what, they're, what is being shown in there. They don't know. Halls. Yes, this is, this is a technically private screening, but... Uh, um, they, they don't know what they're in for. You don't know what you're in for. Um, but, uh, you're going to love it. I absolutely hundred percent, uh, you know, in most instances throughout my career, or I should say every instance throughout my career, I would, I, I would never say something like that. But in this particular instance, I yes. feel we, we can be confident in saying that you've never seen anything like it and you will love it. Yeah. And we will give you your money back if you don't. <laughs> Did we mention it's a free screening? <laughs> uh, anyway, it is at the Los Feliz uh, Cinematheque on March 28th. That's Monday, March 28th, the day after the Oscars. At Los Feliz 3. The Los Feliz 3 at 10 p.m. If you go to the Trailers from Hell website, there's a banner there for the secret screening. Click on it. It will take you to the website where you can RSVP. You just need to RSVP. There's no cost involved just to get on the list so they know you're there. Because if you just show up and the place is full, uh, you're host. So um, RSVP, come to the thing. We will be there. I, I cannot, I'm not kidding. It's the most fun uh, I think either of us have ever had uh, working on something. And we cannot wait to share it with you. So That is, that is accurate. That is 100% accurate. Yep. We hope to see you uh, next Monday night. Yes, hope to see you guys PM. there. And uh, now we're going to go out with the dulcet tones of a mashup I've done of... Um, of uh, Faith No More and War on Zevon uh, singing our theme song. Excellent. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. 
Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made. Stay safe out there, folks. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.